Hello and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and today I'm chatting to Michelle Keegan. I don't like negative emotions. I'm one of them that sort of brushes things under the carpet a lot of the time. I don't like like a negative energy around me so I sort of like try and turn it into a positive. I don't know how I do it but I wouldn't stay down for a long period of time. I'm very lucky that as soon as I finish that scene or I finish the day I don't take it home with me. I know a lot of people can be quite method and feel it for a long time and take it with them and it affects them. But for me, no, as soon as I've wrapped on a day, I might be tired, but I wouldn't take the negative emotions home. Michelle first appeared on our screens in Coronation Street and has gone on to play brilliant roles in Our Girl, Tina and Bobby and Brassic. Lots more on that one in this chat. Most recently, she's been working on Fool Me Once, a Netflix show based on a thriller novel. It was really cool getting to chat to Michelle because she's generally very private about her private life, quite rightly. And it was really interesting to hear that was a really conscious decision that she made. She's learned to set boundaries, which, as you know, is something I'm always trying to work on myself. Also, imposter syndrome. That seems to have been a big theme in Michelle's life, which is really interesting because if we're honest, I think that's probably a theme in most of our lives in one way or another. So if that's you, I hope you feel less alone after listening to this chat. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalised card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Okay, here we go. This is the show. Michelle. Hello. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. How do you feel about New Year's? Uh, I would like to say that you know, it's like a you know, New Year, new me, our fresh start, <laughs> but it never is. You know, oh, I, that's I, made of old shit, all that really new me is. stuff. And I always say, like, I always try and, you know, do a New Year's resolution, whether it's, you know, be on time or, I don't know, clear about the house or whatever. It just, it never happens. It lasts for about two days and then yeah. that's the square one. It's kind of pointless, but I'm imagining yeah. being driven as you are, I'm mm. also extremely driven mm. and really like being driven. Yeah. January yeah. feels like a time to go, right, what are my goals here? Even if yeah. it is just in a sort of career capacity, have you got big work goals that you're headed towards? Uh, well, I will be going away again in February. For work, yeah. which will take me through to the summer. Wow. Um, so that's me then. And yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing after that, which is pretty exciting. Is it exciting or do you have that sort the of... Fear. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is exciting. It is. But I also still have the fear. And I, I said it before that I suffer a lot with imposter syndrome. So I will be doing a job. And as soon as I, I wrap on that job, I'm like, right, well, I'm never going to work again. You know, that was good when it lasted. Yeah. That's it. That's me done. Yeah. So, yeah, I always have that slight panic 
no matter what I've finished or, you know, if I'm going to go on something else, I always have that slight panic. I think this industry breeds that sort of insecurity. I think mm. maybe more specifically for women, yeah. often you're sort of pitted against other women. I'm not talking about you no, necessarily, but true, all women yeah. are sort of pitted against other women. Yeah, I agree, yeah. And that makes you sort of get slightly feared up. And, yeah. And, and obviously the nature of the job is you get some jobs and you don't get some jobs. Mm. How have you taken rejection over the years? Um, I think I take it pretty well. I think, you know, like I said, I came into this industry quite late. I was like nineteen twenty when I started. So I, I started in Corrie at that time. That's when my first job. And I literally went to the audition purely as an experience. I never thought in a million years I was going to get it. It was just, I'll go to that, see how it goes, just get, you know, that under my belt. And then I got the job. So for me... It's one of them where I feel lucky when I get any job. When the job doesn't come in or there's a no, I just think, well, that wasn't for me. And I move on from that. I don't take it as a personal, you know, attack on That's me. so healthy. Thank God. Thank, Thank God. God. Yeah. I think I've got to that place now where I can probably mm. reason with my own mind and say, mm. okay, this isn't necessarily mm. that you're flawed or there's something wrong with you. But I think no, in my yeah. 20s... Oh, my God, I think I took everything so Absolutely. personally. Yeah, I think it's different when you're in your 20s. I think when you come into your 30s, especially late 30s, I think... I'm in the decade feel... after that, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bedded in the now. The best of your life. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like you know yourself better, Yeah, you know, and you can't take things personally. And, you know, something quite it feels big for you isn't necessarily big for everyone else, and you have to move on. Otherwise, it's just going to be embedded in your head and... It's going to get you down. It does. And I think it, it gets sort of really stuck in your brain. It can mm. be one of those things that drags you down when it doesn't necessarily need to. But, yeah. I mean, you have had, an, like, last year you worked relentlessly and you did some amazing projects. You finished the year with the Brassic Christmas special. Yes. Good fun? It was so much fun. And I worked with Amilda Staunton. Mm. Yeah, I'm a massive fan of her. Um, but, yeah, and it's always fun doing Brassic. It's like going home for me. So, you know, in between I do these other jobs which can be quite, you know, tense or, uh, you know, I could be working away abroad. But then when I come home to do Brassic, it's just light-hearted comedy and I have so much fun. And everyone that I'm, I'm working with, we have just such a laugh. And, yeah, I just it's, I feel very lucky to be part of that. I mean, I'm so glad you're saying that because when you watch it, you feel there's that sort of sense of camaraderie between yeah. you all together. And also yeah. it's got that amazing magic of... It's laugh out loud funny, but it's cliffhanger drama. It's yeah. got, it's got the both going on. Mm. Is that what attracted you to the show in the first place? Why do you love Erin? I love well for me. I've never done comedy before, so Brassic was my first comedy job, and I remember that I got sent the script, and I remember reading it. I was laughing out loud, and that's very rare that that happens. You know, you can have a bit of a laugh to yourself, and you can flip through the scripts. But with Brassic, I was really really laughing, and I was like, this is my you know, sense of humour and I just, yeah, I just wanted to be a part of it. And for Erin, I know so many Erins, you know, I could relate to Erin. Um, obviously, I haven't got a child, so I'm not exactly like Erin, but I could relate to her, you know, she's trying to do well, um, she's from a small town, everyone knows each other. My dad was like a chairman of a social man's club, I used to work behind the bar, so, yeah, there was, there's lots of, like, similarities between me and Erin and my life and Brassic, you know? Also, the show really cleverly touches on mental health because mm. Vinny's got bipolar and it's yeah. not... 
It's never preachy. It's just no. part of the storyline worked through the series. Mm. And also Joe, who plays Vinny, yeah. has bipolar in real life. And yeah. I've read several of his interviews where he's talked about it really openly mm. and in just a really grounded way. Has mm. that led to conversations on set about mental health? Absolutely. I think, you know, the beauty of, of Joe, he's the exec producer as well. And the show was based about him and his life. And he's so open about his struggles and his mental health. And I think that sort of opened the door for other people to talk about that within the show and without, like, from outside the show as well. Like, we have lots of people who watch the show who are fans who will come to, you know, me, Joe, people that work on the show, Brassic, and talk about their mental health and say that it's helped them get through hard times. And just to even watch the show for people helps them, you know? Yeah. No, it's just really... Very well done. Yeah. Very, very There's well done. a lot of done. heart with Brassic as well. Like yeah, you said, like there it's is. a comedy, but it's also heart behind it. So I think that's why it's so well loved. Yeah, it's really gorgeous. I mean, you, from the outside, you know, we've met several times over the years, but you mm. always seem very upbeat and a very sunny personality. That's your sort of baseline. Is, is mm. that a correct analysis of, of how you are, <laughs> I'm would happy you all say? The time. Um, no, don't get me wrong. You, you know, I, I have. I have down days or hard days or some days where I'm not feeling my best but for me I feel like I've got a good foundation around me like you know I'm, I'm I've got a good set of mates around me that I've known since school and if I need like topping up or I'm feeling a bit low I'll speak to them and I'm very lucky that you know I've got my mum there and I'm very close to my brother as well so I feel like for me I haven't married the industry do you know what I mean? And I feel like I've got a very solid foundation where I can put my foot in the, the you know, in the industry. I can work, I can do different jobs. But as soon as I'm out, I'm at home. It's back to normal, Michelle. You know what I mean? So I think I'm quite lucky in that aspect. It's so important. It's so important, yeah. Like, I love that distinction of just getting into the house and my bra's off <laughs> immediately. Absolutely. Like, it is off within yeah. seconds. yeah. And I don't want to perform or no. think just to be just to be at home. home and settle. It's even like today I've had like you know a busy day. I've had um, premiere to go to today. I was dressed up and I had lots and lots of interviews. And as soon as that was over, I was like, right, tracksuit on, yeah. change your bra Heaven. into my comfy bra, Heaven. sexy. But like I'm mean, wearing a comfy bra. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I needed to feel myself again mm. and. I'm not performing, I'm not at work right now. I am, sort of, but I'm still, I'm, I'm me. And I think maybe a few years ago, I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably would have come in a bit more glammed up and a bit more, you know, performance-wise. But no, I feel like over the years, I've learned what's important and I'm happy where I am right now. What about if your schedule gets too much? Obviously, you know, you're travelling a lot and filming mm. days can be incredibly long and relentless. Yeah. Do you? How do you make sure that you stay balanced during those times? I think it's just making time for myself. I think that's what it is. I think, you know, if I've got a full-on on schedule, I would come in, always have a bath. That's my thing. Heaven. That is my heaven. I need a bath when I come in, especially on night shoots. Oh. Like, I'm not the type to get in bed on a night shoot, freezing cold. I need to warm my bones up. Do you know what I mean? So I'll have a bath. That's like TLC for me. And then at weekends, I sort of 
try and see the people that make me happy, like my friends, my family, obviously my husband. I'll take my dogs out. I've got two dogs who I'm obsessed with, who I've had since I was 21. So they're mm. like my my babies, really. Um, and I just spend, obviously in the week I can't see them because I'm working. So straight away on a Friday night, I'll go to my mum's, who's like their grandma. And I'll pick them up, bring the dogs home, and then I'll just have a weekend at home. I don't really do anything else. Mm. I like staying in. Same. I know everyone thinks it's boring, but it's really it's not, not. It's the least boring. It's thing. It's the least boring thing. I am a I love really it. happy little hermit. Me too. I love like me too. I love being at home. I never want to go anywhere because anywhere. I know that being home is preferable, and I Absolutely. will be out thinking, "Why am I not at home?" I know, and people always think that. I always thought when I was younger, would I get FOMO? You know, when you see people out, I never don't had it. care. Nor do I. I don't care. I love it. I, I can't it. think of anything worse. If I'm on Instagram and I see that everyone's out at yep. like some bash, yep. I just think, thank God I'm not there. <laughs> like, thank Me too. God, thank I'm God. Not there. Don't want to be. Don't want to be. I don't want to be. No. I really, really can't be asked. I think over the years, sometimes, and I, you know, this is certainly different in phases of my life. And yeah. I'm now like very happily a hermit. But I think mm. over the years, you can think in this weird industry we're in, and we're in different portions of it, but it's still, you know, moving yeah. in the same circles, strange, strange world that it is, mm. that you have to play the game, that you have to Absolutely. go to the premieres, you have to go to the parties, Absolutely. you have to go to the things. Do you feel any of that pressure? I used to, massively. Now I don't go anywhere, and that is through choice. Like, I, if I have any time off, that time off for me is quite precious. And I like doing what I like to do, and I like being at home. In my natural surroundings. Same. Do you know what I mean? i tell you what I have got into recently, actually, that I really, in, what I'm really enjoying is Pilates. Oh, nice. And I know that you do a lot of yoga. I love yoga. I know that's your thing. I love it, it. I, I've never got into yoga. I don't know why. I think because I'm quite restless and you've got to hold positions with yoga. That's why I need it. Do you? That's probably why you need it. Do you think? If you've got a restless mind. I have. It's like a sure sign that you need to practice doing yoga. the opposite. So I, it's taken me years, but I can now get into a much better place mm-hmm. where I'm not tempted to like look at my phone or fidget too much and mm-hmm. just let all the thoughts come up and all the things and all the stuff. Do you do breathing and, exercises? Yeah, breathing See, that's with what it. I want to try and do. But I feel like my head is so loud sometimes. That's the only way I can describe it, that I've got a really loud head. That when I am trying to do these breathing exercises or even trying to meditate... I can't censor myself again. Yeah. So I need to try and learn how to do that. But it's really hard. I mean, it's I, really hard. I've been. Yeah. I mean, I don't meditate that regularly anymore. I, I need to. I, it's one of those things. I'm like, get back on the wagon. Why yeah. are you not doing this every day? Because when I do it, I feel great. Do you? Do you feel it? Benefits I feel you? like it's game changing. So, like for instance, last week I was having yeah. the worst insomnia. I had this one night where my head was so loud. I was. I could hear my own voice monologuing at me. Oh my god. My voice. I don't want to hear that no. any more than I already do. And then I had that song. Is it called The Carol of the Bells? That Christmas oh, one. It's quite horrifying, that I had song, that isn't it? on a loop in my head. No, I'm sorry. No. And I was like, I, I need to, I'm going to jump out my own skin. I don't know what to do. So the next day, I was like, right, back to basics, simple mm. changes. Mm. I, I made myself... Um, meditate that day in the middle of the day. But how long do you meditate for? I only did about 20 minutes. It was a guided one online, really gorgeous, so I could focus more on what she was saying. Right, okay. And then I didn't let myself look at my phone past 8 o'clock, and I wrote Mm -hmm. a big list of all the stuff in my head before bed, and I slept. Did you sleep? It's game-changing. 
Right, that's what I need to do then. You've got to do it. So when your head's it. loud, what is going on in there? Is it creative? Is it ideas? Is it worries? What's your um, flavour? For me, it's probably worries. Yeah. It's probably worries because I'm constantly travelling, not not just abroad for work, but I'm up and down the motorway a lot. So I drive a lot or I get a train a lot. So I could be down south or I could be up north. And I feel like if I've done that the night before and then I get straight to bed, my brain is just constant. And then I'm thinking, don't even, what's that saying where you think about, you always think about what could go wrong. Yeah. You don't think about what could go right. You always think about what could go wrong. And I think that's my biggest thing. I'm always worrying about what could go wrong. Is that more in your personal life or is that more work worries? I'd probably say work. Maybe some aspects in my personal, but it's more to do with work. And like I said to you before, I think I've, I suffer with, um, with imposter syndrome so much that I, I overthink things, mm. you know? Why do you think you... I mean, we all have imposter syndrome to a degree. Yeah. I think everybody, all you know, when you sort of meet big CEOs of companies or you see people mm. on you know, TV talking about something, they're an expert. I think every, everyone's feeling it to a degree, mm. but when it gets in the way, and I've certainly had periods where it has gotten in the way yeah. and I've thought, I don't deserve to be here or I feel completely out of place. Mm. It is really harmful. What do you think's driving it? I don't know. I don't know. I think from, a, you know, I've come from a very normal working class background. My family or friends aren't in the industry at all. I've never met anyone in the industry until I was on Corre. And even when I was there, I just was like, I'm going to get found out. I shouldn't be here. Someone else should have had this job. You know, I think I've carried that through no matter what job I've had. Well, I guess going from, you know, you're a teenager living your life and yeah. then you're in the TV, on the yeah. biggest soap on the telly, mm-hmm. with people that you've grown up watching on the TV. Like, that's hard to process. That's a lot for your brain to yeah. get around. Yeah, and I think I think as well, growing up in the industry, people seeing you growing up as well, and the fact that now I'm 36, you know, I've changed a lot, my job, the way I look, everything, and everyone's got an opinion now, and I always find with this industry, I don't know what it is, I just feel it can be quite negative. Yeah. You know? Of course. Mm. I mean, it's hugely negative. Huge. People don't want to read positive stories. No, they want to read shitty ones. It's constantly, constantly clickbait. Yeah, so it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It's horrible. How, I mean, how do you... Have you got any coping mechanisms to deal with that? Uh, I just don't read it. Yeah. I think years ago I would, but now I don't. And I remember, actually, once I... Um, so I think with me, I can deal with when it affects me. But when it affects my family, that's when it's hurtful. And I remember once I stepped out of a restaurant with my mum and we got pictured. And I remember my mum reading the article. Then I don't know why she did because she shouldn't do it. I told her not to. But she read the comments and that really affected my mum really bad. And now she won't walk out of restaurants with me because of that reason. It's horrible reading shit online. And people write stupid comments they would never mm. say to anyone's face. No. And actually, we don't even know what's going on in their, on in their life, why they feel compelled to write mm. something negative to a stranger. But mm. it is horrible. And it, it, it does feel like a personal attack when people... Yeah. You know, we've all, everyone in the public eye has been through it. But yeah. I think yeah. when it's family, it just feels like they didn't ask for that. It's unwarranted. Yeah, exactly. That's horrible for your mum. I know, I know. It's just, just the shit side of the industry, isn't it? It's just... Yeah. And that's what I mean. I feel like... As you know, I've, as I've grown up in the industry, I have become a lot stronger now, and that's why I've sort of made a conscious decision. As I have 
grown up and I have gotten older that I, I've kept a lot of my private life private and that's been a conscious decision for me. And because of, you know, doing that, I do feel a lot happier. Yeah, good for you. It's just setting yeah, boundaries, isn't it? Exactly, setting the boundaries, yeah. Because I was reading, obviously, like a ton of articles that you'd done in preparation to talk to you today and one thing yeah. that you said is that you're a people pleaser. Oh, my God, yeah. And... Yeah, resonates. Like, I think many people out there will go, yeah, hands up, absolutely like to make people around me feel good yeah. and feel comfortable mm. and whatever it is in personal life, in your, in your working life. Mm-hmm. So that can make it difficult to then set boundaries. Mm. If you're making decisions that you don't want to talk about certain things at work yeah. or even boundaries with your family, that that can be really uncomfortable to do that if you're a people pleaser. Yes, and I feel very uncomfortable. You know, having those conversations for me is very alien. Like, I could never, like, pull someone up or, like, I don't know, say that I'm uncomfortable. I always sort of, like, went along with things so it didn't make them feel uncomfortable. It wasn't about me. But I feel like, again, as I've gotten older, I have become more stronger, in that field where I can step back and be like, actually, no, I don't feel comfortable. Or if I'm doing an interview and they ask me personal questions, I could be like, I don't want to talk about that. Where years ago, I just blurt things out and then read it and think, why did I say that? Yeah. You know? We've all been there. Yeah. It's horrible. Mm. But with the boundaries thing, I think it is, perhaps it is something just with age, you get better mm. at being able to flex those muscles and say, actually, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Because I think otherwise, I mean, I certainly found not setting a boundary or not telling someone what I was capable of doing or what I didn't want to do would just lead to resentment. I'd end up just feeling so full of resentment that I'd gone along with someone else's desires and Mm -hmm. left myself at the bottom of the pile. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So you kicked off the year on the 1st of January with a brand new series that has been much anticipated, mm. Fool Me Once. Yes. I watched episode one. It freaked me out. Did it? In the best possible way. <laughs> How was that to film? Again, in, in sort of stark contrast to Brassic where you've got yeah. the humour and the levity. This is this is like a psychological thriller. Absolutely. And I literally wrapped on Brassic, went straight into Fool Me Once, and then wrapped on Fool Me Once and went straight back to Brassic. So it's like total opposites. You know, but for me, I loved it. It was like, it's just so fast paced. It's so, um, it's one of them where you you can't help but want to get to the answer. So it's like when you're watching the series, you can't end it on episode one. You have to watch the next and the next and the next. Um, And I remember reading the book before I actually said 100% I'll do it. I remember reading the book. I'm a massive fan of Harlan Coben's. Like I've watched Stay Close, The Stranger. And um, I remember reading the book. I was on holiday at the time. And I was around the pool. And when you get to the end, which obviously is going to be seen in episode eight, no spoilers, um, I let out a massive gasp around the pool because it's pretty big, pretty juicy, pretty good. Oh, my God. See, I haven't read the book, so I'm just going to have to binge it. <gasps> yeah. And yeah. get to the last episode. I told my friends that don't read the book. So you know what's going yeah. on. You're going to guess. It's a guessing game. 
Well, I already, from watching the first episode, was going, in my head, I'm going, I know what's going on here. I don't. Yeah, I haven't you got don't. That's the thing. And that's what everyone says. Like, you think you know, but then the rug gets pulled under your feet. You don't know. You haven't got a clue. You know. And your mother-in-law is Joanna Lumley. <gasps> I know. What a legend. Have you met her? Yeah, she came on here. Stop. Yeah, she she came on the podcast. The voice of angels. Darling. And we talked about classical music and oh, all sorts. Oh, stop. She's so incredible. Oh, my God. She's such... A legend. It was literally work with TV royalty. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Do you know what I mean? And she's so, she's so lovely. And it's like, I sort of gravitated towards her. One, she made me feel really uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. <laughs> Joanna? Joanna, no, she didn't. <laughs> she made me feel really, really comfortable. But two, she's just hilarious. Yeah. She's just so quick. She's so funny. And uh, yeah, I just, I just loved being around her. Did she impart any wisdom? Because obviously she has been in the industry for a very long time mm-hmm. and she's experienced all the highs and lows and mm-hmm. obviously been in comedy and drama and film. Did she impart any advice? Any advice? She, I remember her just saying, one, don't overthink it. And there was a scene where it, it was a 14-page scene. I think that's going to be in episode eight, actually. It's a 14-page scene and we had one day to film it, which is very rare for drama. Like, it's so fast-paced. You've got, like lots of scenes to film in one day. So we were given the whole day to film this one scene and we had rehearsal time and things like that because it was like a penultimate scene. And uh, I remember uh, just wanting to go again and again and again. And then there was a shot where we had to move the cameras and it was just like quite close. And I remember her saying to the director, right, you don't need the top of this and you don't need the end of it because it's all in one shot, which is like a close in. Like I would never have the power to turn around and go, can we not just do the, you know, the middle bit? We don't need the top and the bottom. Because she, she's been in the industry so long, she knows what she, the camera's going to need. You know what I mean? She knows in the edit room what's going to be used. I was just, how she works and I was just watching the whole time. Like she just knew, she knew the cameras, she knew what shots they were going to use. She knew the dialogue inside out. You know, she didn't look at a script once. She just wow. came in that morning and just knew, word for word. How much pressure do you feel under in a situation like that, working with someone like Joanna? Yeah, but I feel like I work better under pressure. Mm. I don't know why. It gave me that bit of a, a kick. Do you know what I mean? I actually like working under pressure. So for me, I knew if I had Joanna in that day, I was like, it's going to be a good day. So your character, Maya... Mm-hmm. In Fool Me Once, she is dealing with a lot of big emotions. She's got grief, injustice, mm. rage. There's all sorts yeah. of stuff that you're having to channel. Mm. Is it easier to channel negative emotions versus positive ones? Mm. That's an interesting question. No. No. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't like negative emotions. I don't handle them very well. I sort of, I'm one of them that sort of brushes things under the carpet a lot of the time. I don't like like a negative energy around me. So I sort of like try and turn it into a positive. I don't know how I do it, but I wouldn't stay down for a long period of time. So say you're having to work with very negative emotions. If it's anger or sadness or injustice, Mm -hmm. is that easy for you to do? Can you snap your fingers and and you're sad or you're angry and you don't mind feeling those feelings? Absolutely. And I feel with me, I'm very lucky that as soon as I finish that scene or I finish the day, I don't take it home with me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel drained? I feel drained and I can be tired, but I don't hold on to any negative emotions. 
Maybe that's become a good life skill that you practiced at work and now you can do in your real life. Yeah, I'm, I'm very disconnected when it comes to that. I know a lot of people can be quite method and feel it for a long time and take it with them and it affects them. Um, but for me, no, as soon as I've wrapped on a day, I might be tired, but I wouldn't take the negative emotions home, no. That's so good. Mm. I think we could all learn from that and do that in our real <laughs> lives. Just like, I'm not taking that I'm shit home with me. It. No. Leave it here. Leave it at work. Yeah. I yeah. love that. And what about learning a 14-page scene? How are you with, like, the focus that is needed? You're mm. training your brain to do mm. something mm. that is it's extremely intricate. There's no room yeah. for, you know, when I'm doing one of these podcasts, I can sort of waffle on in a roundabout <laughs> way and find out where I'm going. But with this, you're, it's every word is dissected and it's not only... Yeah. The words you're saying, it's how you're saying, it's your face, facial expressions, it's where you're standing, the hit marks you've got to hit. How yeah. are you with all that? Yeah, you know, it's that's the thing. I think when when you've finished for the day, our day isn't necessarily done. Like I need to go home and you know I'll have a bath, which I need, and then I'll get in bed and I'll do lines for a few hours. So yeah, they are they are long days, but I think we always say like the longer you're doing a show, so say at the beginning. I'd might trip up a few times. But by the end of it, your brain's almost like a sponge where it absorbs so much information and it gets rid of so much information. So I could film on the Thursday and then start work on the Friday and have no idea what I filmed on the Thursday. I couldn't remember my lines from the day before because my brain's full of the lines on the Friday. Because everyone says about the lines, but I feel like the more you do it, the easier it becomes. But it does, I mean, the whole thing requires a lot of discipline in terms of... Oh, absolutely. There's no way you can just wing it and turn up on the no. day. It's. I think this is the stuff that... You know, as viewers, we don't see that amount of time and work that goes into ensuring that you yeah. turn up and you can perform under pressure with the whole crew staring at you and yeah. other actors that you're working with. Are you, do you say you're naturally disciplined? I'm naturally disciplined, but I think that's come from being in a soap. And I, I, I've said it before, I think there's a lot of snobbery surrounding soap. You know, it's for me, it's the best uh, learning platform you could ever do as an actor. Like, I remember we were filming, like three different storylines at one time with three different directors, not in chronological order, like going back and forward. And being in a soap, it's so fast-paced. You have to be on your game. You have to be. And I was working with the likes of, you know, Barbara Knox and Bill Roach, who plays Ken. Like, you have to know your stuff. You have to be on it. And I feel with that discipline from soap that I learned at such a young age, I've sort of carried that through my career. So now when I go on set, I know exactly what I'm saying. I actually probably don't need the sides of my hand because I know my lines. You have to. Do you yeah. remember that first day of walking onto the Coronation Street set and oh, working yeah. with these legends and having to deliver? Oh, my God. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember walking on those cobbles and my first day actually was just ringing a doorbell. Thank God for you. Thank God. No lines, just ringing a doorbell. And I remember just stepping on and pinching myself. Like, I can't I can't believe I'm actually in Coronation Street. And I obviously my family are from Manchester, Northwest. So, you know, Coronation Street for us was a big, big deal. I grew up watching the show. And it's just like I stepped into my telly. I can't believe it. It was uh yeah, it was very surreal. It's amazing. But like you say, it is perfect learning ground for the, Absolutely. the script and the lines and the discipline that comes along with it. Mm. You left after six years, obviously yes. wanting new challenges. Did you feel a pressure? Like you said, there's this sort of weird snobbery around soaps. Mm. We yeah. all love them, but there is this yeah, sort of snobbery. Is. Did you feel a pressure to move on quite quickly or the pressure to find something that took you to in a new direction? I wanted the next job to be right. I felt that pressure. 
But I didn't work for about eight months, nine months. And I remember speaking to my agent and there was like scripts coming in, but they just didn't feel, the you know, the next step for me. But I remember when I left, I really panicked about it because I thought, right, what if I don't work again? And I remember Julie Hez, who played Hayley, she was leading around the same time as me. And I was like, oh my God, Coronation Street, that's the over now. You know, my character's dead, they're killing Tina, what am I going to do? And she, I remember her pulling me to the side and she was like, um, the fact that they've killed you is the best thing they could ever have done because it's taken that security blanket away from you. You know, you have to really push now and work hard. And I'll always remember that because it really did. But I also remember thinking, if I don't work again, at least I've had a good run. Mm. You know, six and a half years on Corey, that ain't too bad. Would you have felt content then if you hadn't been able to continue the career? I think, yeah, I think I would have. Wow. I think I would have. I'm not just saying that. I think, you know, for me, being in Coronation Street, when I thought I was coming in for six months, because that's my initial contract, it was only a six months contract, and then I left after six and a half years, it was pretty good going. Mm. Obviously, I'd love to continue doing what I was doing, but I thought... That's pretty amazing. But like you said earlier, you know, having that gratitude when any job comes in still mm. is a really good way of ensuring that you're happy with what you're doing. Exactly. I think when you start to become complacent or mm. expectant yeah. in terms of the jobs turning up, that's mm. where things start to go wrong. So it's Absolutely. that gratitude that Absolutely. keeps Absolutely. And you there. that's it. I, I never take anything for granted. Any job that I'm doing, I never take it for granted, ever, ever. I feel yeah. really lucky to be doing it. It's really important. What have mm. your family felt about your rise and your success over the years? Were they supportive when you initially said that was the direction you wanted to go in? Um, I remember I remember my dad taking me for a drive because I think my brother was very academic. I wasn't. So I remember going, uh, when I left college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was thinking, do I go uni? But then I thought, well, what do I do at uni? I don't really love anything. The only thing that I do love is drama. So I remember thinking to myself, right, I'll take a year out and I'll go to, I'll go to like, there's a drama school called Manchester School of Acting near me. So I thought, I'll take a year out. I'll go there and see what happens. And my uh, dad took me for a drive and he was telling me that um, I should be going into the Navy or something. And I was like, but I think I ought to be an actor, Dad. I remember him saying the line, Michelle, you need to get your head out of the clouds and you need to think of your future. And literally, <laughs> two months later, I got Corey. I love it. Yeah. So what does he What does he think about your career now? Oh, he's really proud. My dad's in Tenerife at the minute. He's got a bar out there. He's retired and love moved it. to Tenerife. And, you know, he's he's a, he champions me. And like he's, I know he's really proud. Like He shows people pictures of me and there's like, Pictures in his bar and the wall and things like that. That's so, so yeah. lovely. Yeah. Is there any bit of you that still needs to prove to him that the job is valid? Always. I don't know what it is with my dad, but he's the first person I will call if I get a job. No matter what it is, I could find out I've got the job. Literally a minute later, I'll be telling my dad. Always. So interesting, isn't it? It's like always. we always have that pull back to something in childhood or something from our parents, whether yeah. it's... Proving what we're doing or whatever, it's it's hard to shake that it's off, I think. It's hard to shake it. And my dad's not very emotional either. So, like, you know, he could watch a show and then I'm like, what do you think of that? Do you, do you enjoy it? He'd go, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> but then I'll hear him talking to his friends and, oh, different story, different story. Mm. Yeah, but it's like I still need, I'm like a little girl, I still need that validation from him. Oh, I think we all That's do, never don't gonna we? Go. Yeah. We all need that, especially in a weird job where there's no you know, plotted out future plan and you are 
Mm. just sort of waiting for jobs and seeing what's coming up next. I think you just want to feel a level of safety in something. Like you were saying, a foundation that keeps you, your baseline, happy is your school friends, you're Mm. in a really healthy marriage. You've been married now for... Uh, nearly nine years. Nine years! Oh my god! <laughs> I know it's gone so fast. That's We're crazy. That the other day it's going so fast. Yeah. What do you think it's makes you year. compatible with Mark? I think just being best friends. I think just being friends and having that relationship and. I think we're really lucky where if I go up north, he comes with me if he can, and same with down south. So we're based down south, but we constantly, if we travel, we go with each other. And I think that really works for us. Yeah. I mean, you've had periods where you have been in totally different continents. How have you made it work long distance? There are plenty of people who have got partners who have to work abroad constantly or in the armed forces, and it's a real struggle. What what keeps you on the right track? That's the thing. We're not the first to do it, you know, and it is a job thing. And, like, when I was in Australia, uh, was it a year and a half ago? Oh, God, I don't remember. Yeah, when when I was in Australia in Sydney, I had, like, two months alone, but then he'd come out and stay with me for six weeks. And it's just having and, and, and finding that time for each other. I think that's the main key. But also letting us have our freedom to do what we want to do career-wise. And it's, it's, it's worked for us. You well, know? you're both happy doing exactly. what you want to do. Exactly. Super important. Also, I read recently that you love time on your own. <laughs> I am a big advocate of... Lone wolf. I need to be on my own yeah. to stay sane. I get Great. so out-peopled. If I see too many people in a day... Or yeah. it's just like busy in the house or whatever. I can feel myself reaching fever pitch. Like just yeah. I'm going to explode. Mm-hmm. What do you need that time for? What do you do in that time? And, and how are you Yeah, how are you using that time to feel balanced? I use that time just to recharge. So say on a Saturday morning, I've been working all week. I'm really tired, but I will set my alarm early to get up and walk to Pilates. That's my new thing now. I've got Pilates in the morning. After that, grab myself a coffee, sit there for 20 minutes, whatever, got on my phone, reading things, and then I'll come home and then I'll start the day. I just need that time for me on my own to recharge. I mean, that's trickier when you're in a bustling cast and on set yeah, yeah, working yeah, on a yeah, project. Yeah. You still have to try and carve out those moments for yourself. Yeah, and I think, you know, I've worked, you know, the shows that I have done... Like I said, we're all really close and we're all really good friends. And if someone takes themselves off to go and sit on their own and have a coffee, we sort of, like, respect that. They can do that on their own time and then come back to us when they're ready. And I sort of take myself off quite a lot just to be on my own. Yeah, heaven. Mm. And you like puzzles. Oh, I do. I do. And people got into them through lockdown, but I didn't. I'm a fan. You're I've a long-termer. Always been a fan. I'm a long-termer. I got it from my mum. What is it Cheers. about puzzles? That's my downtime. I love puzzles. I think it's, again, you're not on your phone. You're not on your phone. I like having music on in the background or a series that I'm watching where I can hear it, but I don't have to look up. You know, like an easy, like, for example, Friends. Yeah. Just Friends in the background. So I know, I can see it because I've watched it so many times. I could just hear it, but I'm looking down, doing a puzzle. And that's my switch off time. What's the biggest puzzle you've done? I always do a thousand pieces. Wow. Always, yeah. Yeah, I did one the other day, actually. They're quite big pieces. I think it was, must have been 500, but I did it in a few hours. Wow. I know. Because I'm imagining that this thing is just sort of left on the dining room table and you're coming back to it here and there, but oh, you're no, I've doing got a it mat. in one. I've got a mat that goes under the sofa. Oh, you're serious, puzzler. Oh, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> You've got puzzle mats. I'm serious. I didn't know yeah, they that existed. goes under the sofa, but I did do one the other day, the 500 on the table. 
that's why I finished it in the day because I thought, I'm going to have to clean it up. Might as well finish it off. I mean, that is mindfulness right there. Absolutely. That's what you're doing. Yeah, it is. It is. That's my switch off time. I love it. processing. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, so important. Wow, puzzling. Maybe I need to start puzzling. Have you never done it? Like, I've done a kid's puzzle of, like, oh, no. space. No. <laughs> we did a kid's puzzle of no. space, which had, like, 20 pieces. No, you need to do, like, a thousand pieces. Like, um, like um, a really calming scene. Mm. You know what I mean? Like a scene, scenic puzzle. I'm interested with Downtown. your restlessness, how this is working out. If you're feeling like you've got a lot going on in your head, how have you got the patience? It just chills me out straight away. Wow. As long as I have a bit of something in the background, bit of music... Well, like I said, TV, and I'm not going to like probably a glass of wine. Heaven. Heaven. Yeah. But this is the thing. I think mm. there's a lot of pressure that we should be doing mindfulness in a certain way. So there's yeah. the right way to do it, which is you must meditate for an hour or you must exactly. do whatever. Mindfulness is whatever you want it's it to what be. what helps you. And I think it's really personal. And for me, it is, like I said, puzzles, alone time, going Pilates, going for that coffee on my own, you know, recharging. Can you see yourself in this industry in 30, 40 years? Would you want that? Knowing how full on it is, knowing the pressure, the demands, the Mm. weirdness, social media and the press Mm. invasion, etc. Would you want to be doing it in the future? Well, now that I've sort of worked with Joanna Lumley, I'd probably say yeah. Because look how fabulous she is. Do you know what I mean? And she's so positive and I love her energy and... She's been in, in the industry for years and she just seems really grounded and really happy. So, yeah, I'd probably say she's like someone that I look up to. If she can do it, I can do it. Too right. <laughs> Too right. Well, look, Michelle, it's been so nice talking to you today oh, and congrats you. on a brilliant last year and I wish you all the luck with this year. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, Michelle, thank you so much. I loved getting to sit down and have a proper chatter with you. What a treat. And maybe I should get into puzzling, guys. This has not crossed my mind before. I'm seeing a new hobby on the horizon. You can watch Michelle in Fool Me Once on Netflix now. And Fool Me Once is, of course, based on the novel of the same name. For more book chat, you can always come over to Happy Place Book Club on Instagram. It's at Happy Place Book Club, and I'd absolutely love to see you there. Also, we chatted about the fantastic, fabulous Joanna Lumley. If you haven't already, you must go back and listen to her episode of Happy Place, because not only is she a legend, but just listening to her voice is so soothing to the soul. Back with another epic guest next week. But until then, the biggest thank you again to Michelle, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio, and to you. You are the greatest. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com 